0: joy for us coming to you today and bringing the Word of God. What a joy it is to share the Word with you today, for the Word is true and the Lord is faithful. The title of my message today is In Preparation, and I would like to start off with a question, asking you, what do you think? What what does this mean? What are we prepared for? What is this process? So, We are truly living in a very unsure time. We are truly living in a time where even God's people are truly getting anxious and worried about a lot of stuff. Typically in a time like this, people tend to lose focus and get distracted easily. Everyone uh, just yearning for the old normal to return. And I wonder if the old normal would ever return. Maybe it will never happen. We are for sure living in the last times. Now, when we say we live in the last times, it might be months, it might be years, it might be a longer time. We don't know, but we are living in the last times. And realizing this will truly prompt us to prioritize our lives, because I believe there are many things that we need to prioritize in our lives, especially in a time like this. Now, it is in this setting that I want to share with you certain truths out of the Word of God that will truly, truly change your life, that will truly help you to get things in order. And I want to remind you that the Bible says that we, the children of God, we who accepted Jesus as our Savior, we are called the Bride of Christ. And He is our kingly bridegroom. So, we are the Bride of Christ. And this is What I want to bring to you today, how we are in preparation to meet our bridegroom King, Jesus the Christ. And He is coming back for us. Paul even calls this a great mystery. You can read in Ephesians 5 and many other scriptures where Paul uses this parallel between the marriage, between man and husband like the marriage between Jesus and his people. This is truly a mystery. In order to fully understand these scriptures, we need to be aware of the time period and the cultural backdrop of the time when the Bible was written. I want to share with you, uh, especially around this, so keep this in mind. About 65%, more or less, of Jesus' ministry happened in the area of Galilee. So they were truly Galileans. And Galilee was a special place. Even his disciples were Galileans. Now, Jerusalem, on the other hand, excuse me, Jerusalem was considered to be the pinnacle of social and religious status at the time. That was the place where the high nobles wanted to be and want to live and all the rabbis, they wanted to be in Jerusalem. That was the place. It's like the modern day Pretoria, you know. You want to be here. This is the place to be. And the Galilean region was truly frowned upon. They were looked down upon. It was considered to be a backwater area. Now, the quotation or the question that we often read about in the Word of God is, can anything good comes from Nazareth? Is because Nazareth was in the region of Galilee. And we all know that this is where Jesus was coming from. And now referring to that uh, phrase, the name, the title, Jesus of Nazareth, it just didn't go well with the high knobs of Jerusalem they didn't like that can anything good comes from nazareth from galilee no really not it's not from jerusalem you can read about this in john 1 verse 46 etc but in the face of the highly esteemed jerusalem spiritual elite this title jesus of nazareth was stubbornly used all the time much to their frustration, and even to their confusion. They didn't understand this. So Jesus and his disciples were Galileans, living in that unique cultural setting. Now today I want to share to you especially around the preparations that happened before a wedding in the Galilean area. Now, let me assure you of this, that a wedding in Galilee was absolutely the highlight on the social calendar. They didn't have the state theater. They didn't have all the nice uh, shows and stuff that we've got today. No, a wedding was the absolute high point on their social calendar. And when the word wedding was uttered, everybody was excited and getting ready for something special is going to happen. Now, um, Of course, these weddings really happened in history, but I want to bring to you today the deeper meaning behind the preparation and the wedding itself. Today, we're only talking about the preparation because it's a prophetic action that happened at that time. So often I tell people, be aware that not one thing in the Word of God is there without a reason. And this is especially there because it's prophetic. It was God already speaking, showing his heart towards his people. And we need to learn from this. So this wedding process started with a betrothal. Today, we would call it an engagement. So what would happen is that the young man, the groom-to-be, and his father would arrange to meet the young lady, the bride-to-be, and her father at the city's gate. Why at the city's gate? Because this is where the elders gathered and they wanted witnesses to listen and to see all of these things happening. So they would meet and the father of the groom would read out the written conditions of this marriage. Interesting, he would read it out and everybody would listen. All the witnesses would listen. If the lady agreed to the conditions, the groom would fill a cup uh, with wine from a pitcher, and he would hand her the cup. This was called the cup of joy. Now, she could still refuse this cup, and thereby stopping the whole process. But if she accepted it and drink from it, then it meant that she accepted the conditions, and then the groom would take the same cup, he would drink from it, and now they are officially betrothed. And he would say, we are now betrothed, and according to the law of Moses, You are consecrated unto me, and I will not drink of this cup, the fruit of the vine, again before we drink it together in the house of my Father. Now surely when you hear this, you would pick up many, many other scriptures where Jesus said this. Can you understand that While Jesus was saying these, uh, making these statements to people, they knew exactly what it meant, because they were familiar with the culture of the Galileans. They understood it exactly. So, now they were betrothed. Now, the groom and the lady would now uh, separate. Uh, But before that happens, gifts were exchanged, and the best of course, was given to the lady. And this is even today the same. The best gifts always go to the lady. Isn't it true? So the best gifts (laughs) were received by the lady, but a very, very important thing happened. And this is that the father of the groom would hand the lady a sum of money. And this money would be enough to take care of all the preparations leading up to the wedding, and it would take care of her needs, and it would also take care of her in case anything should happen to the groom-to-be. Take note of this. This was important, for usually, traditionally, it would take about a year for this process to happen. Now, they would separate. Now, let me just say that this custom was unique to the Galileans. It was only in that area that it happened like this. So she received all this money. Now they separate him to prepare a place for her and him at his father's house and her to prepare her wedding dress and all the stuff that goes with it and more importantly to prepare herself to be ready to receive her groom. Isn't it most wonderful? And this would normally take more or less a year to happen. However, if you read in John 14, Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says, don't get worried. Don't be worried. For I'm going away, but I will come back again. I go away to my father's house he says, "There are many mansions in my father's house, but I am going away to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. Can you see the parallels running here? The groom going to prepare a place at his father's house? So they exactly knew what Jesus was saying, being Galileans. Now, the day and the hour, no one knew but the time, the season, they would know because it would take more or less a year. So the groom are off and he would go to builders and all these little hardware shops and he would buy some wood and corrugated iron and the nails and he would get some furniture and all of these preparing a wonderful place for his bride. And he would be busy at that for about a year. And then, at a certain time, he would call his father and he would say, Father, I'm ready, the place has been prepared. The father would inspect and he would agree with him and then a strange thing would happen. Now, you can imagine, the groom has prepared this place for a year now. He's excited, he's ready to go and get his bride. But the father says, I will tell you when. So he's got no say in it. Even the bride has got no say in it. Can you imagine that? I can imagine the two most excited people in the little town were the groom and the bride. Because they couldn't wait for this day to happen. They were so excited. They couldn't wait to to get married and to start with this whole process. But they didn't know when it would happen. Only the father knew when it would happen. And then, traditionally, in the middle of the night, one night, the father would get up. He would wake up his son and he would tell him, go get your bride. Wow, this is excitement. The the groom would jump up, dress himself properly, and the first thing that he would do is he would uh, uh, get the ram's horn, sometimes we call it the trumpet, and he would stand in the, the door of his house and he would start blowing that ram's horn as good as he can. And when the town hears this, they would know that the wedding procession has started. This is the beginning of the wedding. And a few blocks away, the lady and her bridesmaids would also hear the sound of the horn going, the sound of the trumpet, and they would wake up, they would get up, they would get themselves ready, prepare themselves to meet with the groom-to-be. Isn't it wonderful? Now, this whole procession would now walk through the town And as they walk, more and more people would join this because they want to be part of this wedding feast. Townsfolk join in. They they are so happy because this is really an exciting thing. Take note that once they meet up and once this whole uh, thing happened and they go into the venue, the father's house, where they would have the feast, once the door is closed, no one else would be admitted anymore. Take note of that. Now, how many lessons could be learned from this Galilean wedding and the preparation? So many. I only want to focus on two of them. Firstly, provision. Provision. We are living in challenging times, and we are very aware of so many people in real difficulties, especially with finances. I read to you our scripture of today Matthew 6, verse 31 to 34 out of the Amplified Bible. It says, Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted, saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but do not worry, for your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first and most importantly, seek Aim at, strive after His kingdom and His righteousness, His way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. And all these things taken together will be given to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can you see that when Jesus told them this, the people of the time exactly understood what he was saying. They were in preparation. They were getting ready to meet him. He would come back to get his bride. And the Father will look after them during this time. And I want to encourage you today, and I'm not insensitive because I know there are many, many people, hugely affected, especially business people, etc., during this time. I want to to bring you these words today. Like Paul says in Corinthians, he says we bring you spiritual truths with spiritual words to be accepted with spiritual hearts. And I want to encourage you today if you feel despondent today if you are anxious today maybe you are one of these who get anxious and say what will we eat? What will we drink? Lord what is going to happen? I want to share these words with you because God is faithful and true. He is Faithful and true. And this can change your perspective on this whole thing. Here we find the promise and the condition. Because this is exactly what the bride did. She occupied herself with preparing for the upcoming wedding. Knowing that All the costs were covered by the father of the groom. She was so assured of adequate provision that she focused on that to be ready. She focused on herself. She focused on pleasing the groom. And she had not one day's worry about the provision. May this mean something to you today. (coughs) The Galileans understood this in their context. Money was not the issue. It's been taken care of. Can I say to you today, can I say to you today, if you truly love Him, if you truly allow Him to prepare you, and if you keep yourself busy preparing to meet Him, the provisions are taken care of. The Father The Father will take care of it. Jesus says, my Father knows that you need this. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Be of good cheer, for He will take care of it. Amen. The conditions of the marriage are found in the contract, this Bible. Now, in the same way that the Father read the conditions to the bride and said, Do you accept this? These are our conditions of our marriage, our new covenant with Jesus, our master, our kingly bridegroom. And the Father, by the Holy Spirit, reads this to us. And the day that you accept this, you are betrothed to Him. You accept it and you say, Yes father and in this conditions it is written I will take care of you I will take care of you the father will take care of you don't be anxious don't be despondent keep yourself busy preparing yourself it was not expected of the bride to worry about the cares of living what she will wear what she will eat no she was focused completely getting ready for her groom Should an unexpected challenge like a drought or COVID hit the area, would the contract be canceled? Would the father run back and the groom run back to the lady's house and say, sorry, you know, we couldn't foresee this drought was coming. Now actually, we need some of the money back again because we're in trouble. Is there anything like this? No, it will never happen. We are being taken care of because your father has not been caught of god with anything that happened and anything that will still happen no never ever and he is faithful and true <clears throat> the moment that he releases a word of provision you can find rest in him <clears throat> he has spoken it in this word these are the conditions. Seek Him. He is faithful and true. But my question to you today is, do you seek Him first and foremost? Do you seek Him first and foremost? I am really worried when I listen to many preachers, and I really don't like <coughs> criticizing any preacher, anytime. time. But I'm really getting worried because we are constantly reminded of God's promises, which is good and true. But there are conditions to that. And this is the condition. Seek Him first. Make Him your first and foremost love, and He will take care of you. This is the condition in the Word of God. And my question to you today is, dear viewer, dear listener, do you truly love Him? Are you truly in love? with your father do you truly love him is he the most important in your life because this is what he wants from you <clears throat> encouragement alone will not prepare you for the battle. And in case you haven't realized it, we are really finding ourselves not even in a battle, but in a full-scale war. The enemy is after you. The enemy wants to discourage you. The enemy wants to trip you up. The enemy wants to get you worried, anxious, fearful, despondent. We are in a war. Oh, you need to know the whole truth, and you need to apply it to your life, for then you can face it, and you will be more than victorious. This is exactly what the word of God says. Jesus said in John 16, he said, but be of good cheer even though you face trials and tribulations for I have overcome the world. I have overcome this world. So this bride, seeking him, <clears throat> focus on him, this is what we need to do. And he will provide in a miraculous way. I can testify about that over and over and over again. In Job 22, well, you have to congratulate me. I've remembered not to say Job 22. I was preaching some time. You You know, English is not my first language. And I was reading out of Job, but I said Job 22. Couldn't understand why the people were really laughing at me. But, you know, it's Job 22. Please go and read that. He writes and he says make Him, the Lord, your gold. Make Him your precious silver and He will establish your ways and the light of His favor will shine over your ways and He will make you successful. You see, we need to get all the truths of the Bible. Psalm 119 verse 160 says, the sum of your word is truth. The sum of your word. We need to know all the conditions. We need to know the whole truth. So the Lord wants to bless you. There's he wants to provide for you and he can provide for you but you need to know it all I want to tell you a little story in my uh, young days in primary school uh, I really lived a colorful life and uh, I never realized that so many stories would be born out of that could be, could be, uh, uh, that could be really useful today so what would happen, I would stay at some people, and then my sister and my brother-in-law, Chris and so they would come and pick me up, at Kempton Park there, and uh, now we're going to the farm, to my parents' farm in the Bushville. Now let me tell you, this was the closest that I could get to heaven on earth, was knowing that here I am with my family, and I'm heading to my parents' Wow. I was so excited, always wonderful. And then we would stop in Pretoria on the way to the farm, and there we would uh, 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 pick up my other brother, books. He was a student at that time, and now off we go. And just out of Pretoria, the road would change into a gravel road. Now, many people don't know about a gravel road, but let me tell you, this gravel road was what they called a corrugated gravel road, which is a lot of little continuous bumps, which makes it really difficult to negotiate the road because your your car just wants to go in every direction except the right direction. You don't know whether you should go fast or slow or whatever. Now, let me just say that my brother-in-law, Kouis, his right foot had a problem because it only knew one way, and that was all the way. So we always went fast. And he had this little Fiat at the time. And this little Fiat was running all over the road, and, and, and much, much to the frustration of my sister, oh my goodness, you know, anyway, and then what happened, <coughs> my brother-in-law would stop, next to the road, there was a funny thing, I don't think they exist anymore, it was called a mile peg. Now, we don't have miles anymore. We only have kilometers. The strange thing that happened, once they changed to kilometers, the farm was now further away because there were more kilometers than miles. Something went wrong there. But a mile peg was something about the shape of this monitor, a bit smaller. It was a concrete peg planted in the ground next to the road, indicating to you from a certain point how many miles have you traveled like one over two, or etc. etc. It was quite a heavy thing. So Quiz would stop next to the road. Now let me just remind you, this is more than 50 years ago, so it's done and over with, uh, no trouble about this. More than 50 years ago, so he would stop, and then him and Bux, of course not me, I was too small, they would pull out one of these mild pegs, and they would put it in the boot of the little Fiat. And all of a sudden, that little car changed into a limousine. Sliding, flying over the corrugated road. And Quiz could go even faster. And we were excited because we're on the way to the farm quicker. And we would go and go and go. And just before the farm, there was a little stream with a bridge across it. We would stop there, take out the mile peg, throw it over the railing into the river. <clears throat> so that happened frequently. And I was actually wondering the other day what would happen? Well, of course, we know this will not happen, but what would happen if uh, civilization carries on for another thousand or two thousand years, and then in a thousand years' time that is all covered up, and the people would start digging there, and here they find a Pile of these mile pegs, can you imagine how busy that will keep them? They will walk around, looks like they built an altar here. Maybe they had a mile guard. Uh, Can you just imagine how interesting that would be? And I wonder, I'm sure that our mile altar is still there uh, somewhere in the bushfield. I'm not going to tell you where it is. Why am I telling you this story? You need the Word of God in your life. That little fiat needed the mile peg in the boot to keep the direction. You need the word of God in your life and you need all of it. If you want the provision, if you you want the promises, you need the conditions and you need to make a decision that Lord, I will live by it. I will live by these conditions for then I know that you will provide for me. The second truth that we learn from the prophetic Galilean wedding is about the preparation of the bride herself. So we are the bride. Paul says in Ephesians 1, we receive the Holy Spirit as the seal, the engagement ring if you want, the pledge that we will receive all that is promised. Now, these two excited people in the village, they were so excited the bride couldn't contain herself. Can you picture Jesus being excited about coming to get us? Can you picture this? Can you picture this? Jesus, at this very moment in heaven, excited, knowing that he's coming to fetch his bride. Can you imagine that? My question to you, is are you excited? You see, because the time is not the issue, and people fight all the time about the time. When is it going to happen? The more important question is, why is it going to happen? For you might live until this happened, that Jesus come and fetch you, or you might just graduate before the time to your eternal life. Who knows what will happen? Let me say to you, our lives on this world is a fleeting second. Seen in the context of eternity. So all her focus was on her bridegroom. She was consecrated unto him. She now belonged only to him. This was her joy to please him. Listen to what Paul writes about this in Philippians 3. He says, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. Wow! I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish in order that I may win Christ. Now, when I read this and other scriptures, I find this is true passion. This is a man that is not lukewarm. This is a man burning with passion for Jesus. This is a man preparing himself to meet his groom. Someone in love with Jesus. My question to you today, my dear people, Are you truly in love with Him? Are you still excited when you hear the name of Jesus? Are you still excited when you think about spending time with Him in prayer? Are you getting excited when you take His Word and you start reading? You're asking the Holy Spirit to reveal His truth to you. Are you still excited? Are you still madly in love with Him? If it's not the case, I want to encourage you. Won't you prioritize These things again, for this is what he wants for us, because he is excited about you. Isn't that a wonderful thought? He's excited about you. Are you excited about him? Are you truly in love with him? They say to be in love is actually a sickness. I could very well believe it when you look at the things that people do when they are in love. And I thought about this, and I thought the only cure for being in love is to stay in love all the time. Think about that. And all your husbands and wives, while I'm speaking about this, being in love with Jesus, are you still in love with your spouse like you were? You know, when we were young and the lady was in Cape Town and you were in Pretoria, you would hitchhike to Cape Town to get there, just to spend an hour or two and then turn around. Nothing would stop you. Are you still in love with your lady? Lady... Are you still in love with your husband? How about stirring up that feelings in your heart? Because this is what we need to do. We need to stir up our love for Jesus. We need to be preoccupied with him, for we are the chosen people. Jesus said he would go away, preparing a place, but he would come back. And the Galileans understood this fully, that this was a temporary arrangement. They will spend eternity with him. Take note that our life here is temporary and we live here as good as we can. We plan, we work diligently, we do our best, but take note that our lives here is short and it's like this and it's over. So I want to challenge you today, invest in your future, prepare yourself. How? Love Him with all your heart, all your mind and all your strength and all that you have. Our groom not only provided the funds for the preparation, but so much more. He gave his life. He actually indwells you by his spirit, empowering you, guiding you, revealing even ever more and more of Jesus to you and the Father to you. So what is the question today? What is at stake today? The question to me, the encouragement I want to leave to you and and say to you today, won't you make this decision, Lord? I want to love you. Lord, I want to love you more and more. Lord, I want to love you passionately. Lord, I want to be excited about you again. Many people think that love is something that that just falls out of the blue heavens on you. That's not true. Truly love is a decision you make. It's a decision, Lord, I want to love you. I want to be prepared. I want to be preoccupied with you. I want to be consecrated unto you. I want to be excited about you. I want to feel the fire of the Spirit burning in my heart that I can't contain it. I, I can picture that bright preparing herself I can just picture her being so busy preparing herself so full of love her heart burning to meet Jesus I'm asking you today is your heart burning for him today? this is what he wants from you how do we do it? Immerse yourself in His Word. Apply His Word to your life. Get to know Him more and more. Sing praises. Sing melodies unto Him. Pray continually. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and welcome Him in your life. Ask Him to enlarge the, 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 your heart so that you can contain more and more of Him and love Him more and more. Love Him continually. Ask Him to change you continually. Mirror your heart against His Word and continually ask Him to Renew your heart. Be joyful because He is joyful waiting to come and get you. We, so many people of God, are so despondent. It looks like we, we're feeling so hopeless. It's, it's just like, you know, in Afrikaans we've got a word. Oh, I'm not trying to translate that. They say, <laughs> It means that instead of walking like this, you walk like this. You know, I'm just surviving a few inches at a time. No. You know what? There's a joyful, kingly bridegroom, excited, burning, waiting to come and fetch you. Won't you allow His Spirit to stir up the fire of God in your heart and run the course of your race with excitement, being ready, being full of His life, joyful, you being a part of the answer, you being part of the solution. Wherever you go, your words will bring life. Your attitude will bring life. Your your attitude will change lives around. You will bring hope to people. This is A joyful bride waiting for a groom to come. Jesus says in Luke 21, Keep awake and watch at all times, praying that you will stand in the presence of the Son of Man. For soon, maybe soon, the trumpet will sound. Or you may graduate to eternal life. Paul says, If I live or die, I do it unto Christ Jesus. My biggest concern is that many people will listen to this and might say, Yes, well, that was a good sermon, but it won't go and do anymore. I want to challenge you today. You know what? There's a parable of the ten virgins, and it says they all expected the bridegroom to come, but only five of them were ready. The five who had enough oil, and we know that is speaking of the Holy Spirit Are your can full of the Holy Spirit? Is your heart full of the Holy Spirit? Are you full to the brim with the Spirit? Is it flowing over? Are your words filled with the life of the Spirit? Be ready for your bridegroom King Jesus the Christ is coming and he is excited about you. Are you the joyful, expectant bride getting ready to meet her lover? know what? Yesterday, we had a pastor's meeting, and one of my colleagues, Pastor Greg, he really bombed me out. And he said, if you knew that this was your last sermon to preach, would you still preach the same? Do you know what? I would still preach the same. For let me say to you this, the most important thing in your life is that you will truly love him with all your heart. Because all the promises find their yes in Jesus So what have we learned? If you put him first, he promises to take care of you no matter what the circumstances. No matter how long or how severe a COVID or a drought or whatever will happen. He is faithful and true. 1 Corinthians Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 18 to 20 says he is faithful and true and he keeps his word and he means what he says he will take care of you he will strengthen you his grace is new every day and you will live and you will not survive but you will thrive because you are a joyful bride preparing yourself to meet your groom amen The second thing that we've learned, he invites you to prepare yourself. And he actually equips you with all you need. He doesn't only provide the money for the cares of the world, but he provides you. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you strength. He encourages you. He he gives you his word. He gives you fellow people around you to encourage you, to pray for you, to strengthen you. He's given you absolutely everything to make sure that you are a success, a joyful bride waiting for your king to return and to fetch you, to be with him in his father's house forever and ever and ever. Wow, I hope that you're getting excited. So the whole whole message in this uh, sermon is focus on him, focus on him. Put your strength on Him. Be consecrated unto Him. Fan up your love for Him. Be assured that He is first in your life. Fall in love with Him all over again. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word. Thank You, Lord, that we can learn out of Your Word that You are excited and waiting to come and return, to come and fetch us. So Lord, we pray that these words will truly find fruitful ground. We pray, Lord, that we will love you all over again that we will love you more and more and more, that we will be excited, that we will be passionately in love with you. Holy Spirit, will you change our hearts? Would you change our hearts that we will truly become soft and receptive to you, that we will truly love you more than ever. Lord, I pray for every person today feeling despondent, every person, I pray that you will encourage them. I pray, Lord, that by the power of your Spirit, you will just lift them up in the name of Jesus I ask Amen, Amen